0: Alright guys, so today we're going to be finishing up chapter 1 of uh, 2 Timothy. Uh, We're going to be doing uh, verses 15 through 18, and uh, we're going to see how we need to not allow ourselves to be distracted from the ministry by our emotions and worldly desires, but instead focus on seeing to the needs of others in our ministry. And if we are faithful in the ministry, we will be rewarded by God. So I'm going to start by praying and then I'll get into the, the main passage. Lord, thank you so much for us being able to get here, get together here and uh, get in your word and just hear from you, Lord. Uh, Father, I ask that this message will be edifying to someone and uh, that someone will want to grow closer to you and grow in ministry because of it, Lord. uh, Yeah, I just ask that you calm my nerves and get me out of the way, Lord, and speak through me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, so uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me, and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently, and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy, find mercy of the Lord in that day, and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus thou knowest very well. So the the first point we're going to look at is that we need to have resolve for the ministry. Uh, We see at the beginning of the passage that Paul says that everyone in Asia has turned away from him. Uh, He doesn't go into detail about what happened. Uh, He mentions these two guys, Phagellus and Hermogenes, but uh, they aren't mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. So looking them up doesn't really help understand what exactly happened that much. Uh, their only role in the Bible is basically just Paul saying, all right, these two guys are losers, but on is that guy's awesome. <laughs> and so despite there not being very much to go off of, though, uh, I think we can still have a good idea of what happened based on the historical events around uh, Paul's second epistle to Timothy and the other things Paul mentions in this epistle. Uh, so we'll start with what was happening historically when Paul wrote the second epistle to Timothy. Paul wrote his second epistle in 68 AD and four years earlier in 64 AD, the great fire of Rome happened and burned down a large portion of the city. And uh, the same year, Emperor Nero started building a palace for himself in the ground that, uh, where everything burned down in Rome. And so the Roman citizens started blaming uh, Nero for the great fire and were angry at Nero. And so Nero used Christians as a scapegoat. He blamed the Christians and started the first organized uh, persecution of Christians by the Roman Empire. And so, uh, sorry, I went off script while I was saying that. Uh, then in 68 AD, Paul was uh, imprisoned and would soon, soon be executed. Uh, we see in verse 16 of our passage that Anaciphorus was not ashamed of Paul's chain, and when he was in, in Rome, he sought Paul out and, and visited, visited him while he was in prison. Uh, then we see in 2 Timothy 4, 10-11 that Paul says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved his present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. So Demas forsook Paul because he loved the present world. And while we aren't told why, we see that Cres- Crescens and Titus left him as well, and only Luke is still with him. So it seems like the reason everyone in Asia turned away from him may be that they were afraid of the, the suffering and the persecution that Christians were going through at the hands of the Romans, and they didn't want to be imprisoned and executed like Paul was going to be. Uh, and then Paul, having been abandoned by everyone at the, toward the beginning of... Uh, the first chapter, it it says to Timothy in verses six through eight, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Uh so he encourages Timothy not to give into the spirit of fear and not to be ashamed of the testimony of Christ or of Paul, but to partake of the affl- afflictions of the gospel. So he while everyone else has abandoned him and seems to be giving in to fear, he's encouraging Timothy not to go down the same path, but to be willing to give up his own life and suffer the afflictions of the gospel to continue his ministry and serving the Lord. Uh, this isn't the only group that Paul mentions turning away though. Uh, in chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, he says, "...preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables." In this case, people are turning away from sound doctrine, listening to many different teachers and believe fables instead of believing the truth and so whether it's turning away out of fear or turning away from sound doctrine that paul was referring to in our passage one thing is for sure if you want to be useful to the lord in your in ministry you need the resolve to be willing to partake in the afflictions of the gospel and to stick to the truth of sound doctrine the counterpoint to those who turned away though is Onesiphorus, who oft refreshed paul and ministered many things unto him in ephesus so our second point is that your ministry should refresh others refresh could refer to meeting physical needs as we see the first time the word is used in the bible that's exodus 23:12. six days thou shalt do thy work and on the seventh day thou shalt rest that thine ox and thine ass may rest and the son of thy handmaid and the stranger may be refreshed but that's not the only way the word is used it's used a little bit differently in first corinthians 16, 15 through 18. I beseech you, brethren, ye you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye you submit yourselves unto such, and to everyone that helpeth with us, and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. So in this passage, Paul says that Stephanus Fortunatus and Achaicus refreshed his spirit. So a good minister doesn't just refresh refresh people physically, he refreshes them spiritually. Now, if you're new to ministry, you may be wondering how you can meet the physical and spiritual needs of people. Uh, That's Kind of something you have to figure out as you minister to people because the ways that we meet the needs of others will be different, but they all work toward the same purpose. And this is because we will best refresh others through our own spiritual gifts. Uh, We don't have time for deep study on the topic, but we will look at two of the three main passages that tell us what the gifts are and see what they teach us about the spiritual gifts. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Ultimately, the spiritual gifts are just different aspects of ministry that God gives you the ability to perform better than anyone without that gift could. All born-again believers are given a spiritual gift through the Holy Spirit. Uh, This passage tells us that the purpose for this is for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Your gift isn't for you. It's for you to serve your brothers and sisters in the body. So notice it also says uh, with each one of these that they are given to some. To some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Uh, And not everyone has every gift. And while you may have more than one, nobody has them all. Uh, This is to build interdependency and unity among the body of Christ. We have to rely on each other to refresh each other and to, or yeah, to refresh others and to be refreshed by others. And then in uh, Romans twelve four through eight, we see for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Again, we see that our gifts are deferring. Uh, All of the three main passages that talk about the spiritual gifts say they're diverse, and no one, like they, they're all different. No one has all of them, and they're not uh, all given to anyone. Or there, no one gift is given to everyone. And uh, it also says to wait on your gift. Now, this may sound strange, but. Looking at the first time the phrase is used in the Bible will help us to understand. Uh, I don't have a slide up there for it, but it's in Numbers 3.10, and it says, uh, And thou shalt appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall wait on their priest's office. So they weren't waiting to be priests, they were waiting on the priest's office. They were attending to it. To wait, wait on means to attend to. Uh, I used to be a waiter for years, and uh, my job was to wait on tables. It was to serve people at tables and so uh, it it doesn't have anything to do with waiting to perform the gift it has to do with uh, putting a focus or an emphasis on that gift so we should attend to our gift it should be a major part of our ministry uh, but that doesn't mean that we don't do the other areas of ministry just because your gift is ministry or teaching but not evangelism doesn't mean that you aren't meant to share the gospel with people we're all given the Um, Great Commission. We, We all have to go and make disciples. We all have to go and share the gospel with people. It's not, none of us are exempt from it regardless of what your gift is. Also, no gift is greater than another, and God values them all, and they are all important to the body. Even what we see as small acts of service aren't small to God. They're Vitally important to the body to do any act of service for another member of the body of Christ uh, in mark nine forty one we see for whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. While Jesus was specifically talking to the, his disciples in this passage, uh, it shows us the the standard that God has for people that Uh, serve and minister to his followers. He says even if they just give one of his disciples a cup of water, that person won't lose their reward. Uh, And that leads us into our next point, and that's that there will be rewards at the judgment seat. Uh, So looking back at uh, 2 Timothy uh, 1... 18, it says the Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day, and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. So that day is always a, a reference to the second coming of Christ. This is slightly different in that uh, a New Testament believer isn't going to be physically present on the earth at the second coming as a flesh and blood person. We will The church will have been raptured out at that point, and whether uh, it's because you died before that or because of the rapture, you will, uh, we will all stand judgment at the judgment seat of Christ. And we see uh, in 1 Corinthians three thirteen through 15 uh, it says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide... Which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So, this judgment is only for Christians, it's only for born again believers, uh, and your works after salvation will be judged. Uh, it's important to note that it says that, uh, if, any more, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. So you will not lose salvation at the judgment seat, but what you'll lose, what that loss you'll suffer is the reward that you would have received for being a faithful minister. Uh, And there's a couple different rewards. The first one we're going to look at is glorified bodies. And that is one that every born-again believer is going to get. Philippians 3, 20-21 says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Uh, and then there's... So we're all going to get that. It's uh, at salvation, you're guaranteed eternal life in heaven, you're guaranteed a glorified body. It's a free gift. You could say a free thing, and what could be better? Right. Uh, another other gifts that we'll receive are crowns and there's five different crowns that uh, faithful ministers will receive and so the first one we're going to look at is the crown of righteousness and that's for those who love the appearing of the lord second timothy 4 7 through 8 says i have fought a good fight i have finished my course i have kept the faith henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. The crown of life is for those who love the Lord. Uh, James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Uh, there's also the incorruptible crown for those who don't fall away and are temperate in their ministry. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. The crown of rejoicing is for those who lead others to the Lord. Uh, So this is for evangelists, for people that share the gospel with people and they come to a saving faith. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.19 says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? Then there's the crown of glory for our last one, and that is for those who shepherd the flock with the word of God. 1 Peter 5 2 through 4 says, Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, bean and samples to the flock, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And what I think is also about these crowns is we're already given salvation. We're already given eternal life. Like he, God is already giving us something that's way more than what we deserve, way better than we could get it on this world from anything that we do, and yet. If you'll be faithful to him and if you'll serve him, he's going to give you rewards, too. He's going to give you crowns. And while that shouldn't be your main motivation, it's just amazing that God's going to give us rewards just for living for him. Like, that's cool. And uh, then we see in Revelation 4:10 through 11, though, uh, the, it says, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And cast their crowns before the throne, saying, "Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created." And so we see here that like these guys receive crowns, they receive rewards, and they're just throwing the crowns at the Lord's feet. They're so overcome by the glory of the Lord that they don't even care about their rewards. They're just throwing it to the Lord and giving it back to Him because He deserves the glory and honor and power. And I'm not sure if that means that we're going to want to do that with our reward, if we're going to give it back to the Lord, or if that should be our mentality with it that uh, while we will receive rewards, ultimately it's all about the glory, honor, and power of the Lord. It's not about us. Uh, Either way, We always need to keep that in mind that it's all about God. It's all about serving the Lord, and it's all about serving the body of Christ. So, to wrap things up, we need to remember to focus on being resolved to the work of the ministry. Don't allow emotions or the lies of this world to distract you from the work of the Lord. We also need to remember that the point of the ministry is to refresh and edify the body of Christ. Showing up isn't enough for ministry. You need to be making an impact for the Lord in people's lives. You need to be doing the work. It's not just about you and your relationship with the Lord, even though that is important too. You need to have an impact in other people's walks with Christ. Lastly, while we will receive rewards for our service, never forget that ultimately ultimately, all of the glory, honor, and power belong to the Lord. All right, I'm going to pray and then... uh... Corey will come say a thing and release (laughs) us to go to our groups. Lord, I I just uh, pray that this message was edifying to someone, Lord, that uh, you'll work on their hearts and that people will just want to uh, serve you, that the well will be full of ministers, ministering to each other and serving in other ministries in the church that will be evangelists and teachers and uh, ministers and that we'll all come to use our spiritual gifts that you give us to, for the edification of the body of Christ and the work of the ministry, Lord. Uh, I just want to give you praise for the fact that you're willing to give us rewards that we don't deserve beyond just salvation for placing our faith in you, Lord. You deserve all the glory and honor and power. Lord, just thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.